where we're going this morning, we're kicking off a new series called Between Two Storms. And what's kind of fun is uh, we're really diving back into the gospel of Mark, uh, and we're diving back into the life of Jesus. And uh, what you'll find is this next session or section that we're looking at is we're going to look at seven just uh, stories of what Jesus did and his power, and, uh, and yet they're actually bookend, one at the very beginning of this storm that takes place, and Jesus in the middle of the storm, and then at the end of it is a storm as well. And so that's kind of where we got the title, Between Two Storms, because literally it is between two storms. But as we study for the next seven weeks, what you'll find also is there's another storm that's taking place, or two storms that are happening in every single uh, one of these um, stories of Jesus's life. In fact, uh, you'll see it in your notes, and since we've had technical difficulty today, you won't uh, see it up on the screen. But in life, we're often caught between two storms. The storm, uh, one, of being paralyzed by fear, of absolutely being paralyzed by fear of not being able to move forward. And then there's another storm that's equally as powerful. And we often don't think of it as a, as a storm, uh, but it is the storm of being propelled by faith. Both are disruptive. Both are risky. Both uh, are, are in such a way storms that, that we are confronted with daily in our lives. And so we're going to, what you'll find is over the next seven weeks is you'll see this tension or in fact collision of fear and faith and, and how Jesus is and who he is and his power invades that space. And I've had a prayer for us as a church. My prayer is this fall that we become a church that would people, other people would describe us, uh, not how we would describe ourselves because that doesn't really matter, how other people would describe us. They would look at us and go, well, that church, and it's great to be known as a church that has amazing worship. I love that and has great coffee. Awesome, right? But how other people would describe us is that we are a community, a church, a people of faith. Uh, and here's, let me just give you a quick definition of faith. Faith is the confidence that God is who he said he is, and he will do what he said he will do. That we would be a people that are so confident in our God that we would put our behavior in alignment with our belief. Because we have confidence that he is who he says he is, and he will indeed do what he said he will do, and so we'll step out and trust him. That is my prayer for us, that that would happen in your heart and my heart, that we would take steps of faith. And that as we wrestle in between these storms of paralyzing fear or propelling faith, that, that as we see it, we would step out and experience God. Not religion. 
Not a nice idea or a comforting thought, but the power and the presence of the God Most High who came down onto the mountain and spoke to Moses, who led his people through the Jordan and stopped the waters. That God who showed up and where Jesus, I can't even get into all the stories because we're going to hit one, but where Jesus touches the leopard and he's clean. The God who went to parties with sinners and tax collectors and loved radically, that we would experience that God, not in story form, but in our very lives. And that is my prayer for us as we journey through this series between two storms. Uh, Let me pray for us, because where we're going, and it's not going to, the whole series isn't going to be about this, but when we talk about storms, the idea that comes up immediately when we think about it emotionally is storms of life. Storms of times when life is hard. It is the, when life is stormy or choppy, and that's where we're going this morning. And I really believe that if you're in a place where life's stormy, God wants to speak to you. And God wants to meet you and encourage and bring hope. He may want to bring healing. He wants to bring life. And so I, I, I just know that in and of myself and in and of our time, if we don't bring it to him and ask him to do it, we can't do that on our own. And so let me pray for us before we dive in. Jesus, thank you for this moment. It is holy and it is sacred and you have brought us here for a purpose. We ask that you would show up and that you would speak and that you would have your way. That your words out of your uh, scripture would come alive in our hearts and as a result, we would be changed by you. And God, would you make us a community of faith that our behavior aligns with our beliefs. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got your Bibles, would you open them up to Mark chapter 4? It's not going to be up on the screen, as you can tell, but uh, it is in your notes. We pick up the story, and Jesus has just gotten done with a full day of teaching. His popularity along the Sea of Galilee is exploding. He's done healings. He is, uh, people are following a mass. In fact, he's had such a long day. He's teaching all day long. So many people are gathering around him that he actually is on, they're right on the Sea of Galilee right there, and he's actually pushed out onto a boat so that he can address the audience that is gathered on the shore. And, and I mean, God's doing amazing things. I mean, they're successful in ministry, and they're just seeing people come and people getting healed. And this is the context in which we find this next story. Mark 4, verse 34, 5 says, that day when evening came, the day of great success, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, if I had a map, the Sea of Galilee is um, just kind of an obtuse long uh, 
sea. It's only, it's not very big. It's this fresh water. It is 11 miles long and about eight miles wide at its longest part, and that's where they're going to be traveling. And on this side is, is the Jewish side, and on the other side, when he says go to the other side, it's the Decapolis area where there's 10 cities, and it's the Gentile side. And so they're in the middle of extreme success and seeing God show up over here, and at the end of a long, hard day, Jesus says, let's go over, let's go over to the Decapolis, let's go over to the Gentile side. In their mind, what they're hearing, let's go over to the wrong side and leave all the good that's already happened here. Now, verse 36, leaving the crowd behind him, they, uh, behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats around him, so they're traveling in a crew. Now, verse 17, a, vur- a furious squall came up. Now, what you need to know about the Sea of Galilee is even though it's not very big, per se, in size, it is 680 feet below sea level. I know this, my hand is representing the Sea of Galilee today. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, and it's 670 feet below uh, sea level. It's the lowest freshwater body of water below sea level. And then there's mountains that are up high. And so down below, you have all this warm air that hits all this cool Arctic air. And when it hits and collides, and I'm no meteorologist, it creates a mass massive storm, and the Sea of Galilee is notorious for these storms that just happen in a flash. In fact, today you'll find signs if you park next to the Sea of Galilee to beware, because you're, even though you're parked on dry ground, it could, your car could get swamped because of a sudden storm. One of these storms comes up. A furious squall came up, and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, Verse 38 is kind of at the heart of it. Jesus, Jesus got up immediately and fixed it all. Jesus is like, don't worry, guys, I'm here. Jesus was in the stern, here's what it actually says, sleeping on a cushion. It's actually the only time in the uh, Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke, the synoptic gospels, that we ever see them address that Jesus is sleeping. He slept, obviously, but this is the only time it says it because it was significant to them. And isn't that, in the middle of life's storms, how we feel God is? When life's hard... When life's overwhelming, when the waves around us are crashing in and we feel like we're drowning, doesn't it feel sometimes like God is asleep? Like God doesn't care? Like God's absent or apathetic to our pain? And Jesus is asleep, and that's exactly what the disciples felt. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, and here's the question at the heart of it, don't you care if we drown? Come on, man. Look, these guys are expert fishermen. They've been through storms before. This isn't their first rodeo, okay? They're amidst a season where, hey, If God doesn't show up, we're sunk. 
And they shake their sleeping Jesus and say, hey, don't you care? And that's the question we have for God in the middle of life storms, isn't it? Don't you care that my mom got cancer? Don't you care that I lost my job? Don't you care that I feel like my relationship is all falling apart or my kids are walking away from you? Or don't you care, God? We have, uh, he says, verse 39, he got up, Rebuke the wind. Literally, this is the word here uh, uh, of how a father would speak to a child. Interesting there. That he, he just got up and said, Quiet. Be still. Then the wind died down. It was completely calm. Then he turned and said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Disciples are in a boat. They're crossing to the other side. The storm they encountered, by the way, wasn't because they were outside of God's will. They were doing God's will. Some of you are in the middle of a storm because of your own decisions, and you've made a poor choice. Some are in the middle of a storm because there there is just painful. We live in a fallen, broken world as a result of someone else's poor choice. Now, some, and this is the hardest place to be, you're in the middle of a storm and you're right in the middle of God's will for you. We have this faulty belief in our society that, that somehow the safest place in the world to be is in the middle of God's will. Well, sorry, it's not. The, the very best place to be in the world is in the center of God's will. It is not the safest. Ask the Christians in Iraq if it is the safest place to be in the world. And somehow we bring our American Christianity of comfort and security into it. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to find storms. And here's the reality. If you don't follow him, you will still experience storms. We all live in between storms, don't we? Now, here's, here's what I found so perplexing about this passage. Now, I grew, I grew up in the church, right? I, my dad is a pastor. I'm a pastor's kid. I've heard this story over and over, and every time I read it, I so was like, Jesus, give the, the guys a break, right? I mean, you, you so identify with the disciples. You're like, yeah, that's human. That's how you feel. And listen, remember verse 40, what he said, why are you so afraid? Now, now this next line, do you still have no faith? Just right underneath it. I think I gave you space in the notes. A better translation, I believe, literally is, where is your faith? See, what's interesting about faith 
is it's not so much how much faith you have, how strong your faith is, but the very object of your faith, what you have faith in. I can have a lot of faith, but if it's in the wrong thing, it'll always let me down. I have faith that if I jump up, this will hold me. Now, the object of my faith determined whether that was helpful or not, right? Jesus asked them, where? You notice, you notice they didn't wake up Jesus to calm the storm. Did you, did you catch that? Did you see that? They didn't say, Jesus, will, will you save us and calm the storm? Because when he calmed the storm, they're terrified and they're going, who is this guy? They woke up Jesus to bail. Come bail water with us. Because the object of their faith was in their ability, not who was sleeping in the stern with them. Um, when Jesus calmed the storm, it was revealing it was, uh, who he was. In all ancient cultures, they had this common belief, uh, and the ancient Israelites, and they all had this unanimous belief that, that the sea was this un- uncontrollable, untamable, destructive force. It was, it was the center of chaos and, and evil, and, and that only God could actually control or calm the storm. So, so when Jesus got up and didn't conjure up anything, didn't say any particular, he just said, be quiet be still. And with the word he spoke and it was done, the disciples went, whoa. It was a revelation that who they have been following is not necessarily all that they thought he was. In fact, he was much, much more. It's a revelation that Jesus, in fact, was God. Now, why why then did Jesus, back to our, our point here, why did he ask them? Why did, why did he rebuke them? Do you still have no faith? Where, where is your faith? And, and here's what I think is so important if you're in the middle of a storm. It's the principle at the heart of this passage. In the middle of of a storm, don't question in the darkness what God has clearly shown you in the light. In the middle of the storm, don't question the promises of God over your current circumstances and what it looks like. Do you notice what Jesus said right at the beginning of the passage? Let us go to the other side. He promised. He said, by the way, guys, we're getting in a boat. And as we get into this boat, we're going to go to the other side. Now, the disciples, he didn't tell them, 
It was going to be smooth sailing all the way to the other side. He didn't say they hit a storm in the middle of it, but God told them in the daylight on the way over here, Jesus said, we're going over there. Now, there may be pain and there may be heartache. There may be stuff that you hit that's unexpected, but I told you all the way over here, we're going to the other side and my words are enough. See, you can read Jesus sleeping as two different pictures or two different ways. See, the disciples understood his sleeping, and we often do as well, as apathy. But could it be that Jesus was actually at peace? That it wasn't that disconcern for the disciples, but he was resting in the will of God, so in the midst of the storm, he was at peace and at rest. See, what happens for us in the storms of life is as we engage in these moments and the waves begin to hit, we take our eyes off the one who has control and the one who has made promises and try to do everything within our own control. And it feels like God's not there. And he's saying one of the anchor points in the middle of the storm, in the middle of life's hardest moments, is don't question in the darkness what God has clearly shown you in the light. He said, we're going to the other side. We're going to make it. I didn't say there aren't going to be storms. I just said, we're going to the other side. You can trust. You can take that to the bank. Now, here's something that, uh, as I was talking it over with a few people as we're uh, kicking this idea around, said, well, what is it that I can take to the bank? Because I don't know that you, uh, if we necessarily have like, hey, these are promises I can take to the bank. And, and here's what you just need to know. There's times when I just hit a passage that is a promise from God that I just circle it. I write it down in my journal, and I literally just circle the thing of like, I'm going to take that to the bank. God said it. And faith is the confidence that he, if he, whatever he said, he'll do. And if he said it, I'm going to take that to the bank, even though my outward circumstances don't look promising. Let me, let me share a few of them. Maybe you're in the storm, in the middle of a storm of loneliness. In the middle of the storm of loneliness, Hebrews 13, 5-6 says, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So I say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And maybe you have to make a courageous decision with, a, with conviction uh, based on his promises. And you go, the Lord is with me. He will not forsake me. Take that to the bank. Don't question in the darkness because there's going to be times when the waves are big and high. Maybe it's about your future. You've been wrestling with your future. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not your harm, to give you a future 
and a hope. You know, like, I don't know my future. I'm wrestling and everything feels uncertain. But you know the one who knows your future and that is enough. And you go, okay, God, I can entrust my future. And it doesn't look like it's all working out the way I had planned. But I'm going to follow you in the midst of the uncertain storm of my future because I trust, I take to the bank that you have promised you have a plan for me and I am going to rely on you. Maybe it's personally, man. There's a time um, in my life, and, and I've shared this before in the storm of, of, of personal uh, purity, as, as especially a young man in my 20s just ravaged with sexual temptation and pornography. And here's what happens is, so oftentimes in those moments, what happens is we begin to believe the lie that this is who we are and this is what we're made of and nothing will ever come of it. God would never want me anymore. I'm damaged. Good. And Philippians 1, 8 says this, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of redemption. He is faithful and he will complete it. And you can take that to the bank and you go, okay, God, I'm taking that to the bank that the good work you started in me, the good work you began in me, you're going to continue and finish. So I'm not going to give up because you didn't give up on me. Maybe you're in the middle of temptation. You're like, I just can't overcome this. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except what's common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out. You go, in the middle of those moments, I can take it to the bank that God provided a way out. It is not beyond what I can bear. And I don't know what your thing is that you're just pull or tug away is. But he says, I one, you're not alone in it. Take it to the bank. Two, I'm not going to let it crush you. There is a way out. You can take it to the bank. Maybe it's a failure. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 says, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. And I've said it over and over. I love one of my favorite attributes about God is his faithfulness. Or uh, is it 2 Timothy, I believe, where he says, and even when we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. See, See, you got to get in this, by the way. In the midst of life storms, you got to get into his word to know what he's clearly shown you in the light. And it doesn't have to be like, man, I know exactly what I'm going to do and this is my calling in life. These are promises of God that are true for you as a follower of Jesus. This is based on his character and his personhood and not you. And you just go, okay, God, it doesn't look like it's all working out the way I, I thought it would. And this is hard. And I'm going to approach you in my honesty of who I am. And it, it hurts. And there's times where you just, you go, God, I don't like this. It feels like you're sleeping when you should be doing something. He says, I haven't changed. And don't confuse my quietness for not doing anything. You can still take to the bank all that I have said.
in the middle of the storm, what do you believe about God's ability to see you? I mean, I mean, honestly, that he, that he sees you in the place where you're at, going through the pain that you're going through and the wrestling. Psalm 139, 17, 18 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count, were I to add up the thoughts that God had about you, the psalmist writes, more than the sand on the seashore. God sees you. God knows you. In the middle of the storm, what do you believe about God's affection towards you? I mean, that he cares. See, somehow we can misinterpret storms that God's angry with us. He loves you. I love what uh, Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you, quiets you with his love, rejoices over you with singing. At his, his disposition towards you, no matter whether you're running from him or running toward him. What do you believe about God's power to care? For you. Do you believe he's able? What does Siri say? (laughs) In the middle of the storm, God is asking you, do you trust me? In the middle of the storm, he's asking, do you trust me when life is out of control? Do you trust me when you lost your job? Do you trust me when you're not sure which way to go? Do you trust me when things don't go the way you plan? Do you trust me with your health? Do you trust me when you're being misunderstood? Do you trust me when you're craving to be married and there's no potential mate in sight? Do you trust me with your family, with your future? When I ask you to risk your comfort, your security, do you trust me? I've had, you know, as you go through life, you have lots of storms. Uh, one poignant one that, that has been an anchor point for me that I look back on this principle, don't question in the darkness what God's shown you in the light. Well, it was one of the harder times for my wife and I. If you've been around, you've heard me share this story, and it was in Georgia. And Georgia's a great place. You're from Georgia. It's awesome. I just grew up in Santa Cruz, so I love the ocean and beach people. And so Georgia was hard. But we're at a church plant that uh, was, grew really, really fast and got really weird. And I was in a position where they weren't t- doing things Honestly, but we felt like God called us. And it's so hard when God calls you to do something, but it, it was a year of pain. God called us to stay at this church and minister to the students we were ministering to for, and we knew the time, it was for a year. And I mean, I had one of those things with my job where the, I couldn't be fired as a weird deal, and, but I was not wanted, and my boss would sit down with me and go, so when are you leaving in my head, I'm going, I can't wait. 
And life, so if, as a guy, when our job isn't going right, and maybe it's the same with girls, I don't know, but for guys, for sure, when our job's not going right, it feels like everything's going wrong, and, and that was like, oh my gosh, and, and then I had this thing with my, my family because the choice we made hurt them, and so I was, I was alienated, even though I felt like I was doing exactly what God called me. My, my own parents, I was broken from them for about six months where we didn't barely talk because of the choices we made to stay when he felt like that's what God was calling us to do. And then, and then our second was born, Ryder, and when he was born, uh, we almost lost him. He had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck five times, and we were in this kind of little hospital, and I mean, the nurse was like, terrible. I don't mean, to, I mean, I know we have some nurses here, and you're amazing, but this one was not she was like stressful, yelling at me, telling me to do something. And I mean, she, and later she's like, yeah, we lost two babies earlier this week from the same thing. I'm like, thank you very much. I mean, they had to rush him. He was blue. They had to rush him out of the, uh, the room and do emergency everything. We didn't get a hold of him for the first, I don't know, it was like, I don't know how long, but a long time it felt like. And then he was failing to thrive ever since then. And so it felt like, okay, we live in this weird place we don't like. We don't have any friends. My job's terrible. My kids, I, mean, I don't even know if my, my son's going to make it. And just, man, I just tell you, I had arguments with God. And I yelled, God, I can't believe, why would you do this to me? Especially, baby. In the middle of one wrestling match with God, we were driving, and we're in this area called Buckhead, and this kind of cool place in Atlanta. There is a cool place in Atlanta. <laughs> one, just one. And it was pouring down the rain. I mean, and it was storming. It wasn't storming like it was Thursday, although that was amazing. But, I mean, it was like a real rain. Like, you can't barely see through the windshield wipers. And we're driving around this mall in downtown Buckhead. And, and on the scrolling marquee, was this phrase, and it's just pouring down the rain, sin is like what I'm exactly feeling, and said, God doesn't bring a man into deep water to drown him, but to cleanse him. And I just broke down and bawled in my car with my family. Because for the first time in a long time, I realized there's a purpose to all this pain. That God hasn't left me and God isn't asleep, but he's doing some things in me that, that he can't do otherwise. And there's some things he can't reveal to you outside of some storms. And there's some work in our hearts that can't be done until you've been through deep waters. In the middle of the storm, don't question in the darkness what God has clearly shown you in the light. You're going to the other side. In ancient Christian art, it is, they would depict the church as a boat in raging seas, and Jesus would be right in the middle of it. 
And, and the reality is, is you can experience peace in the middle of the storm as long as Jesus is with you. And that's not some cheesy Christian cliche. I think I said it last week or two weeks ago. You'll never experience that Jesus is enough until he's all you have. And it's in the middle of those storms where you begin to go, okay, I'm yours. I have no other option but you. I want to close just a little differently this morning. And the band can come on up, and if you'll turn down the lights... um, what I recognize is, is some of you are right smack dab in the middle of a storm. And it might be the storm uh, of your health. It might be the storm of your relationship. It might, it might be the storm of your future. It, it might be uh, some stuff going around you. I don't know. You know exactly what it is because there's some things that as I began to talk this morning, there, there's some things in your heart that where, where God began to work. And in those moments, would you begin to go, okay, God, I need you in the middle of this I've been trying to do it my own way. God, I trust you.